All right. Well, praise God. It is so good to be with you guys today. And I'm very excited because we do have some wonderful, special family members in the house. Uh, Pastor John is going to be bringing the word, and lovely Lena Gay is here. Lena Gay, would you stand up? And you're going to get to see John, but John and Lena Gay, yes, we love you guys. And um, for those of you that might not know, John and Lena Gay are the founding pastors of Christ Center. So this was Center Elementary back in 1975. And the Lord spoke to John and told him, this is supposed to house my church, so I want you to go and purchase that building. And that is its own incredible story of how the Lord provided, and we were able to purchase this building in 1975, and it has continued to house his church and to be a center for the community here to glorify Jesus Christ. But um, John has got a word from the Lord today, so can you welcome my dear friend and pastor, John Bowers. He never turned this on. I guess he did. Well, bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I have today some treats for you. Uh, I'd like to start with, first of all, before we start the word, have Jeff Starr come. Jeff in the house. Come on, Jeff. We've, we had for years and years the drama Zion, and um, it's been shelved for the past 11 years, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere in Tucson, Arizona, one of the directors of Campus Life asked my brother, uh, as he's sitting across having lunch with him at a fundraiser, he said, we're just struggling, we've got... 20 campuses now, 20 states, with an average of 20 high school in each city of the 20 states. And we teach them how to go out and do, or we teach them how to go out and preach the word on the street, and we're just falling flat. We just don't, we just don't have it. And he said, I need a silver bullet. Pray for a silver bullet. And Jim says, well, I don't have to pray for a silver bullet. I, I know where the silver bullet is. But before I introduce you to my brother, I want you to read his book because it's pretty radical. And the, the silver bullet's pretty radical. So he read the book and he came back and he says, I want a meeting. So I've met with the, 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 the uh, state vice president of Campus Life. And he said, we want to see it. So he's bringing together some of the 20 state representatives in Tucson, Arizona, October the 25th. And this is a Christ Center thing. God gave, everything I'm talking about today is Christ Center. I want you to get that now. It's not John Bauer's ministry. I'm representing still Christ Center. And so I told him, I said, well, Christ Center will put together the drama and we will bring it to you and we will demonstrate it to you with your meeting comes October the 25th. And I want to give you just a few numbers here. And these are very, very conservative numbers. So there's 20 states. And they average 20 high schools in each state. That's 400 high schools. They want to teach the Zion to all 400 high schools. And send all 400 high schools out every weekend in different places of their state to perform dramas, the drama Zion in parks, no matter where it might be. 
As we did this for years and years and years, hundreds of thousands came to the Lord, literally. I, I, mathematically, I said, let's just bring it way down low because this is low, way before the, this is lower than the norm. But let's say they save 10 souls a week. Every weekend, they go out and save 10 souls. That's 4,000 souls every Saturday. Then you take that times four in a month. That's 16,000 souls every month. And then you take that for um, the year. That's 192,000 souls of youth, of kids. And you see the generation. You see what God's doing with the little drama that Christ Center produced and gave away to the world. So Jeff is the director of our youth here. And he's taken it upon himself now to put the Zion together and we'll all travel in. I'll meet him in Tucson and we'll present the gospel to Campus Life directors. They have to vote on it. And once it's voted on, then it will spread throughout the nation. And this many souls are waiting in the balance. Can you just say amen to that? Amen. So stretch your hand out to Jeff. And Doug, would you just stand up and pray out loud for the anointing to come upon this Zion again? Amen. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jeff. And thank you. People, as I have come in today, many of you are asking, tell us about a little bit of what you're doing in Cuba. Just really briefly before we get into the word, would you put the, um, the Franklin Graham picture up on the screen? And several years ago, I was introduced to Franklin Graham, and he asked me if I would represent him in Cuba. And so, Lynn again, I have been representing Franklin in Cuba on your behalf. And so where we are right now, as of this month, through Samaritan's Purse, we will have shipped in 16,000 tons of goods into Havana, which is distributed throughout the island. Franklin can't get into to Cuba because his dad, Billy Graham, was the president, considered the pastor to the president, so he can't get in to Cuba. But he's saying what we will do let the World Alliance, which is a gathering of leaders all over the world, just in relationship they have with Christ Center, let the World Alliance go in. So to make a, a long, long story short, as of this, this year, we're believing that we'll meet with the director, the government official of Cuba, to allow an alliance to ship in with their 747s, two 40-foot uh, trucks that will house food, hygiene, lumber products, two cater uh, one caterpillar, one grade, uh, grader, one backhoe, and then another plane comes in with two helicopters. We'll be there for six months. We'll blitz the island. The helicopter takes the goods from our depots from Havana to Santa Clara to Kemaway to Hogeen, there will be our depots and the helicopters then take the goods and direct them out to the bushland, out to the jungles 
and we'll be distributing all this. Souls will come to Jesus. We're seeing the people so appreciate the heart of the Christians who are doing this. And we're believing, and here's where Christ Center can be praying, because again, I represent you in this project. Everything has to go through Christ Center, because there has to be a home-sponsored church. So everything goes through Christ Center to the government of Havana. They sign off on it. So Christ Center is the representative, even though Franklin Graham is the one that's behind this whole thing with Samaritan's Purse. So be praying that it'll all flow. We have an issue right now politically where the Chinese and the Russians are moving into Havana, putting up their spy stations. And it's very, very difficult now, becoming harder and harder to minister. But God, I want you to catch this, but God is doing a mighty work in spite of it all. So I just wanted to brief you on that. And there's more we can share with Pastor Joshua. We'll keep you up on that as, as we move along. Father, in the name of Jesus, come with your word today. Inspire the people of this church. Let there be, mighty God, a move of your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put Nigel Big Pond's picture up on the screen? Nigel Big Pond and I have been together ministering for many years, back in the 90s. And Nigel represents 180 chiefs throughout America, throughout North America. And Nigel has shared with me over and over again, make sure Christ Center continues to hear the story. There's people that come, there's people that go, there's people that stay, but they need to know the history of Christ Center. He said, we teach this every year to our children so that as we grow older and older and pass on, our children are saying, telling them the same story about our Native American history. So they record it over and over and over again through the voice of the people speaking. So this is Nigel Pig, Big Pond that loves this church and continues to inspire me to tell the story. So today I'm telling the story in the name of Jesus. Thank you. What drum are you marching with? What's the beat of your drum? From the beginning with Jesus Christ dying on the cross, Satan thought he had it won. Jesus was the one that came and lived 33 years on this earth. And the disciples in the whole world thought that he's the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. And they killed him. And when they killed him, Fox News would say, it's the end of Christianity. The Messiah is dead. It's the end of Christianity. Satan wins. But Jesus on the third day rose. And Satan was defeated. Now catch that pattern. Because I want to, I could go... I could spend the next month sharing these glorious historical pictures to you, but I'm going to just take a few today. But I want you to catch what happened in the 60s. I lived it. I taught school during that time and taught on it. We watched the news on TV. Vietnam War started. President Johnson sent the troops into Vietnam early in 1965. 58,220 American soldiers died in that war. President John Kennedy was assassinated November 22nd of 1965. 
Robert Kennedy was killed and assassinated June 6, 1968. Woodstock had it. The young people had it. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, it made no difference. They had it. Their Messiah died. And they had no one to hope for. And so they decided to call on their own Messiah, love and peace. Hippie flower movement, that whole thing started. Rebelling against anything that had to do with government, law, righteousness, holiness, morality. And the church was saying, looks like we've lost again. But Jesus, but God never loses the battle for a season. It may look like, wow, could it get any worse than this? And let me tell you, in the 60s, it was the darkest time that I personally in 80 years have ever lived in. It, it makes what's going on today like nothing. I was invited by Senator John Hatfield of Oregon to go to one of his Senate prayer breakfasts. And I went into the Senate prayer breakfast and it was filled with senators and I was very honored to be able just to sit in their presence. And it was their prayer time. And I heard them calling out to God through Jesus Christ, heal our land. Philadelphia was burning literally. Washington, D.C. was burning literally. It wasn't boxes thrown up along the side of a building and they light it and then they put it out like they're doing today. It wasn't jumping on police cars, burning them, tipping them over like they're doing today. It was worse. Folks, I asked Senator Hatfield, Mr. Hatfield, we ever going to get this under control? He says, less by the blood of the Lamb and the power of God Almighty. And that's what those sinners were praying. And then Woodstock came. Would you put that picture up of Woodstock? Can you, can you make that larger by chance? Because what you're seeing is a sea of people, 400,000 young people rebelling against this nation of ours, rebelling against the Constitution. And this TV networks were talking about, will we ever recoup? Walter Conkite, I can remember saying on his news cast every evening, this is the biggest anti-movement against the Constitution in America that we've ever had in the history of our republic. But God, as that event happened from August 15th through the 18th in 1969, it looked like the momentum was growing because it rained that, those days and it was muddy and it was cold and it was terrible. It made no difference. Their rebellion warmed them up to fight against our nation and to destroy the flag. But God spoke to a guy by the name of Chuck Smith. 
and spoke with his partner, John Wimber, and said, I want you to beat and march with a different drum. And Chuck Smith immediately saw something he hadn't seen before. His little bitty teeny church of 125. And John's little bitty church of 85. Had their eyes open to see thousands on the beach in California. And they said to each other as they were talking one day over coffee... I think I've heard the Lord in my prayers and in our praise tell us, switch from this marching band of Christians, switch, follow after God. And immediately they went on to the beach and they started asking young people, we want to tell you about Jesus Christ and they were still the ones that were coming from Woodstock. They were as rebellious in California on the beaches as they were in New York with Woodstock. It was the spirit of Woodstock that was destroying so much of what we know as normal, conservative American people. And they said, we don't want church. We want nothing to do with it. And they said, okay, you don't have to come to church. We'll come to you. So they started meeting them on the beaches. And the word spread. And the word spread. Would you put the uh, revolution picture up? And all of a sudden there was baptisms. And there, there wasn't enough people. There wasn't enough room in the baptistry in the churches. So they said, what are we going to do? Let's go to the beach. And they started coming and they started hearing about it. And day after day after day, it wasn't a Sunday service set just to baptize people. Every day they said, Chuck and John, when can we get baptized? And they said, okay, every afternoon from two on, we'll just start baptizing. And they didn't know how many people were going to come, but they came. They came crawling over those rocks. They come driving in from all over and they were parking. Their cars were parked funny little Volkswagens all over the place. They'd come with their bicycles. They'd come with their motorcycles. And they would walk down and they would wait for hours. And so they started bringing other men in to help baptize them. And the ocean was filled with people being baptized and Woodstock was washing away from the negative to the positive because Jesus Christ is still alive today and well. He always wins. What they thought, what they thought they had, what the devil thought he had won. <clears throat> Jesus said, enough. The Lord has always had, <clears throat> since the beginning of time, since our colonies were, ex were founded, there were always problems and Jesus always won. There were always problems and Jesus wins. I skipped through the Civil War, some of the greatest revivals in the Civil War uh, happened thereafter the Civil War, and I won't go into, I won't go into those. But I want to pick up 
what John Wimber and John and or what um, Chuck Smith and John Wimber heard in the scripture. So I'm reading their scriptures. These are all their scriptures that God spoke to them. James 2, starting in 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim that you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people more than others? For instance, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes into your gathering who is poor and dressed in shabby clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich people, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else you can sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that you are guided by wrong motives? And Chuck and John said, it's time we hear the drumbeat that is better than what we were marching with. Because both those guys said, we cater to the rich. And now we have millions of people, and they didn't know about it, but millions of people will now follow if the church doors are open to everyone. Guess what? Many, many, many of those rich people in Chuck's church and in John Wimber's church, the vineyard, left because it was raining one day and it was cold. And God used the atmosphere to fill the church. So on that Sunday morning as they were down ministering on the beach, church was about ready to start up on the hill. And John said, it's cold, it's wet. And there were still hundreds of people there to hear the word. They actually had started little fires to warm themselves, but they had nothing to shield themselves from the rain. And he says, why don't we all come up to church? Y'all come up the hill. Let's all come to the church where we get some shelter. They came to the church smelling wet. They packed the church. There was no more room for them, but they filled it up again. All the seats were taken, but there was floor space. And they, fit, they came, they came, they came, they came. They packed it out. But the church members left. Because they weren't going to tolerate this kind of stuff. They weren't going to tolerate what we just read in James 2. Because they liked the comfort of the church. They liked their seats. And look who's sitting in my seat. So it started growing. Today, because they chose to walk by a different beat, there's 1,800 Calvary churches that started out of one. And you're one of those churches. We never took the name of Calvary here at Christ Center because I heard the Lord specifically tell me, you're Christ Center, you're independent, just follow me. Keep listening to my drumbeat. Do what I tell you to do, and I will bless this church. 
Roy Hicks, my pastor in Faith Center, he was the one that inherited all of the hippies coming from John's church in Van Nuys, California. Now, they packed out Faith Center. Why? Because Roy heard the story, the same story that I heard, and he implemented James 2, and he says, from now on, we're going to be a church that will not go on the beaches, but we'll receive those coming from the beaches into our church, and Faith Center had a mighty exodus because the people said, during our intermission time when there's coffee and cookies between service we get out there and all the coffee and all the cookies are gone those those hippies ate our cookies and we 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 demand this to stop and Roy said there's the door you can go out the door or you can come in the door but that door is open to anybody that God wants to come to his house So how Christ Center got started, I was a non-filled, spirit-filled guy. I preached against it. I was teaching school at Kennedy Junior High in Eugene, Oregon. And Rufus Fons, our principal, who was a Quaker, really, we, uh, we loved each other. I was a Christian. I just wasn't spirit-filled with action and power. I was beating. I was marching to the beat of the conservative Christian church. Rufus Franz asked me one day, he says, Roy Hicks called and wants to use our gymnasium for a gathering. And he says, I... I don't want to be a part of it because it's that charismatic bunch coming from California. Would you go open the door for me and would you chaperone the group? (laughs) So I, on Friday night, had the keys to the gymnasium and I drive up and I I thought, oh my my word, I, I must have missed the time. There were people everywhere. Parking lot was already jammed. I was there 15 minutes before the door was to open. Should have been an hour. We have bleachers on both sides. Big gymnasium there at Kennedy Junior High. I opened the door and they just flooded in. They stunk so bad. I'll never, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> See, I was, the, I was probably the one that would walked up out of the church because they ate my cookies. So I'm sitting there disgusted because I don't have control of them and they're smoking in the gym. If the fire marshal come, we'd all be arrested because we had way, I mean, it was packed out there. They filled the bleachers, they filled the floor and they filled everything else around. And I'm sitting up on top of the bleacher and this guy comes out and he starts boing, boing, boing on his guitar and worship happens. The Spirit of God fell out of those hippies. And as they started worshiping, I started bawling. And I'm embarrassed. What the heck am I bawling about? (laughs) Because God was speaking to me. It's time you march with a different drumbeat. Wake up. 
And I went home that night, and I told my wife, Linda Gay, I said, honey, you've got to come with me. I can't explain it. You've got to come and see this thing. So she went with me Saturday night. And she got the same thing. The power of God's spirit was alive. And she was willing to surrender her drums of what we call good church to pick up the drum beat of a radical, ragtag group of people that was so filled of love with Jesus that came out of Woodstock they were so thankful for Jesus, they had new hope. He didn't just die, he rose again, and they wanted to tell everybody, and they started telling everybody. And that's when Faith Center just exploded, and that's when I said to Roy Hicks, he came and he says, you need to start a Bible study. I said, okay. Started in our home, outgrew the home, went into the barn, outgrew the barn. I'm sitting on the school board, and the chairman of the the displacement of this building. And I heard God say, Me, listen now, listen now, John. I go, yeah, I'm, I'm, pres I'm presiding over the school board meeting. He said, resign tonight because Monday you're going to submit a bid and the bid for this building is going to be $100,000 for 20 years. No one's going to sign it for 6%. All the goods stay. Cafeteria, everything, everything you see in her cafeteria, everything stays. All the land's yours for 100000 Well, I happen to know that Blickhorn, the realtor that we had worked with in Eugene, said, if you give me six months, I'll get $1.5 for you. If you want a quick sell, I can sell it for 250000 Or excuse me, yeah, 250000 But we should bounce in there about five to 800000 And God said, I'm going to sell, I'm going to give it to you for hundred. I said, God, you can't, God, that's not going to work. He said, beat, walk with my beat. Listen to me. They opened the envelope. One fell out. It was the only bid that day, that night. I know I put a bid in, and that was the only bid that fell out. School board accepted the bid for 100000 And they said, before we were even a church, they said, a church by the name of Christ Center just bought the elementary school building with everything in it for 20 years. Nobody's going to co-sign Nobody's going to guarantee this note for six years or, or for 6%. You're sitting in a miracle. All because, all because Chuck Smith said, John Wimber said, it's time we listen and beat, walk with a different beat. Would you go to John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now these are scriptures that Chuck Smith and John Wimber put down in their library of faith. My sheep hear my voice. They heard, their vo they heard the voice of the Lord and they follow me. Isaiah 30, 21. Isaiah 30, 21. <clears throat> I know I, I skipped there on you. Isaiah 31. 
I'll get it. I got lazy on you. I was watching the screen. I got so excited. <laughs> Isaiah 30, 21. Still can't find it? Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, I'll direct you. Listen to me. Listen to the voice behind you. So as I'm listening to the voice behind me and we got the church, all of a sudden, God said, now bring in the garbage dumps that the churches don't want. And we were known for years as a garbage dump church. We're the wayward people that couldn't sit in a refined church, felt comfortable here. We had, um, I remember one time a guy came and the police came with him. And they said uh, he's not allowed to be around children. So he wants to come to this church and we can't deny him the right to worship. But we need to tell you, Pastor, that this guy is that's a serious record. He sat right over there with one of our elders sitting with him. Another guy came that had AIDS, and that was before we knew what AIDS was all about. And he sat right here on the front row. And nobody sat with him. <laughs> we didn't know. They came. Christ Center was filling up, known as the Garbage Dump Church. My dad, bless his heart, one day, he said, aren't you ashamed? And I says, well, ashamed of what, Dad? Shame that you're known as a garbage dump church. I said, Dad, I was in Frankfurt, Germany, and I toured Frankfurt in a tourist bus. And they said, that beautiful park is, used to be this historical building, but they bulldozed all of the junk after the bombing of the war, and they planted trees and flowers and grass, and now that's that beautiful park called so-and-so. War zone so-and-so. Oh, that park over there, that, uh, that was war zone so-and-so. So many people were killed in that bombing, and so we made a beautiful park over there. Oh, that park over there. All of Frankfurt's a beautiful park. And when I was on that tour, God spoke to me, and he said, that voice in the back we just read about, Take the garbage dumps and make beautiful parks out of them. Because you want to know something? In starting with me, every one of us are a garbage dump. Who am I to tell you you can't come in and worship Jesus Christ, Savior, Redeemer of the world? So God over and over and over started speaking. And some of the fallout from Faith Center came. 
We didn't have, see, a history of 20, 30 years of old folks staying in the church. We started scratch. And the first Sunday we started, we had a split. We had 42, 42 in the Bible study, and the first Sunday we had 23. And so I called them. I knew these people. One of them was my cousin. And I called Dick first, and I said, where were you? We met out in the cafeteria then. I said, where were you? Oh, John, I've been talking to a bunch of the people, and 20 of us are so believed that you're crazy. <laughs> and I love you. I love you, cousin. But I think you're crazy. You think God called. You keep telling us God called you. You heard God beat by a different drum beat. And I said, as long as I beat by God's drumbeat, he doesn't need you. Take your seat with the elite. I'll take those that want to come and hear about Jesus Christ. I'll take those that are hungry and thirsty. I'll take them. And my precious wife, bless her heart, she was right there saying, you listen to that drumbeat. You beat that, you walk that new drumbeat out and I'll walk it with you. And we can't be focused on people. We can't be looking at the snobs, if you would, in the church that are too good for the garbage dumps. And so to this day, we're still reaping. The new movie came out, Jesus Revolution. As, as, you, as you would think that in the 70s when all this happened... It would start dying down because now we've got a new woke movement that doesn't match the 60s. We have a new counterculture that doesn't match the 60s. They're burning the flag. They want to tear down Mount Rushmore. They're tearing down conservative, wonderful statues. Yeah, we've got some issues in America. Nothing that Jesus can't handle. But God, but God, but God, but God always comes through. Listen, don't even worry about it, folks. You that are worrying about wokeism, you that are worrying about counterculture, you're worrying about same-sex marriage, LGBTQ and all that, you worry, 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 worry. I got news for you. Jesus is about ready to get up and just make a little move, and it's all gone. And the next movement will come. It's the history of the world. The next movement will come. When the Israelis were rebelling against God, he let them wander for 40 years, and then guess what? He just got up. He just gave a little shake, and all of them started coming back into the promised land. Those, only two made it, but, but those that were wandering could have, yet they were willing to be garbage dumps. They wanted something better than what God had for them. The best thing you've got that God's got for you is Jesus Christ, his son, who died for you, who saved you. And today you can receive him as savior and walk in the glory and the wholeness of God and not worry about all this wokeness and all this other stuff. Listen, every, every challenge that's come against us by the devil to destroy our constitution, to eliminate the church, 
will all backfire. The same way Woodstock backfired. The same way the 60s backfired. You in the 60s, do you remember how terrible that was? So where are we today? It's a very, very simple, simple thing, a simple question. Are you upset about where we are politically? Quit it. Go to church. Take your garbage bag with you and go to church. <laughs> Set the garbage bank bag down and say, God, here I am with my garbage. Would you deal with me? Change my heart, oh God. Renew me the way you remove those hippies under Chuck Smith. See, in World War II, after World War II, there was great rebellion also. But guess what came out of World War II? Billy Graham was introduced, and Billy Sunday was introduced, and Billy Graham led 180,000, uh, excuse me, 180 million people to the Lord. <laughs> Billy Sunday was right there with him. I could tell you every disaster, every disaster from Moses was always followed by God's deliverance. God's deliverance for you today is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day. Don't be religious on me. Don't be obnoxious and say, I don't have any garbage. Every one of us do. You come today with your garbage bag, throw it at the altar and say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Anybody in here that would say that? Anybody in here that would say, I need to be redeemed. I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven. And I just have to tell you, and I love you when I say this with you, because Chuck Smith said this and John Wimber said this. Folks, if you keep rebelling, you're not rebelling just against the nation. You're rebelling against God because we're here to give you the salvation plan. And if you don't receive it, you're going to hell. Today could be your last day. That may sound hard, but that's the truth. So if there's anybody in here today, do all of you in here today know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is there anybody that's never accepted Jesus today in here? Anybody? I mean, I was doing all this preaching for nothing. <laughs> come on, there's got to be one. The one person that needs to know, you didn't come here by chance today. Well, you know who you are. But I got one more altar call. How many of you have been worrying about our culture, our wokeism, the liberals, the conservatives fighting against each other? How many of you are concerned about our nation? Would you stand right now with me? I want you to walk out of here with confidence that you didn't walk in with. And would you pray this prayer, one hand without wrath, one hand without doubt. Lord, every time there was a revival, there was always persecution before it. Every time there was those that radically tore down our symbols of holiness and righteousness, revival followed. So now pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for not trusting you because you're going to bring me through this and we're going to have revival and I look forward for the revival 
So, Lord, I'm going to start spending my time praying for the renewal to come. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.